Clients in my mentorship practice, Two Brain Business, are now getting results that I didn't even dream possible a decade ago. Today, I'm going to tell you how we build curriculum and how we create generations of clients. Hey, I'm Chris Cooper. I took a 200-word blog and built a $25 million mentorship company from it. It wasn't easy, and I had to learn some huge and expensive lessons along the way. But now I'm sharing those lessons with other business coaches and mentors and high-level entrepreneurs in this podcast. Want to chat with me? Go to businessisgood.com and click join the movement. We'll see you there. I'm Chris Cooper. This is Business Is Good. And if this episode is useful to you, please hit subscribe wherever you're watching or listening and visit businessisgood.com where you can join a community of other entrepreneurs around the world who want to build businesses they can be proud to own. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you'll know that I talk sometimes about creating multi-generational impact. And sometimes I'm talking about creating wealth and a legacy that you can pass down to your kids. But sometimes I'm also talking about creating generations of clients. And you do that by publishing content, auditing results, and then constantly upgrading that content. And today I'm going to tell you exactly how to do that. The first clients in Two Brain Business, my mentorship practice, learned from my results. They learned to avoid the mistakes that I had made, and they doubled down on the things that had made me successful. They grew their gyms a little bit faster than I had grown mine. And as we started to track their results, we began to see what was most important and emphasize those things in our curriculum. And we could also see like what they could skip or what was slowing them down and remove those things. So those new clients got even better results than my first clients did. And some of those clients became mentors and then they built on what they had learned. I call these our generation three clients. And then we built an app and we really started hammering on, you know, what is the most important? And we found these six levers that the gym owners could really focus on. And the first users of that process were what I would call generation four clients and so on. And now clients are achieving things like becoming millionaires didn't even exist when I started mentoring gyms. We're now on our seventh generation of clients in Two Brain Business, and they are blasting past all of my old successes, and we'll also keep learning from them to help the eighth generation. Generations of clients are created through the knowledge cycle. Some coaches in business never audit their clients' results, never update their curriculum, and are thereby limited by the success of the coach. The original fable of the tortoise and the hare was really not about the hare beating the tortoise. It was about the hare needing the tortoise because the tortoise was always ahead and the hare would race to catch up, but the hare would never really exceed the tortoise at all and until the very like final finish line. But the hare needs the tortoise and that's the key to that story. In business, your clients need something to chase and if that something is only you, they will never really exceed uh, how far you've gone. And so the way to really keep your clients going is to introduce multiple hares, lots of rabbits into the race, and they can keep chasing each other and keep getting results faster and faster and faster. When you put more than one rabbit in the race, everybody goes faster. Today, I'm going to tell you exactly how to do that with how I build curriculum. We're going to break this down into five stages today. First, we're going to talk about how we identify high value topics, things that will actually get our clients results faster. Then, how do we test the solutions? How do we know that these are going to work? Third, how we buy materials from other people and from our clients to help our other clients excel and solve these problems even faster. 
Fourth, how we actually build courses to teach these concepts and, and give these tools to clients. And then fifth, the audit cycle, how we're constantly improving. First, a lot of business coaches start off with this thought that like, if it's not my idea, it's wrong, right? All the big ideas have to come from them. And this is a mindset that every business coach must outgrow. Every fitness coach too. Like if you're coaching anything, you need to outgrow this mindset that the best experiences and ideas and stories and concepts and courses have to come from you. Eventually, your clients will improve on your best tactics and tools. And so you should be able to grow with them by moving from becoming the brain to becoming the publisher, the auditor, the collaborator, the connector, the person who brings all of the best ideas together. In the early days of my mentorship practice, I would create these complicated spreadsheets and I would use uh, contracts, for example, from my attorney and I'd put those in my courses as templates. And over time, what would happen is clients would take these templates and they'd make them a little bit better. So for example, one of the metrics tracking sheets that I used was this very big and very complicated spreadsheet that we called the big sheet. And if you are a mentor at Two Brain Business or you've been a client at Two Brain Business, five years ago, you're going to remember this monster. It had about seven different tabs. Each one was connected by different cells. Sometimes it broke. And, you know, it's just like how my head works when I'm calculating metrics like revenue and profit and breaking down expenses. Okay. It worked, but it was a monster. And so one of our clients, Anastasia Bennett, took the big sheet, broke it down into one much simpler sheet, flew to Chicago, met me there, presented it to me at her laptop. And I said, wow, this is way better. Eventually, Anna became a mentor and she still loves using the big sheet. And a lot of our mentors still use it too. But the, that big sheet is eventually what we use to build our app. Now, the thing is, my concept did work, but Anna's was an improvement on that concept because it was simpler, it was more concise, it was more usable, and our clients actually used it more. The problem with my big sheet was that it was intimidating as hell. It was complicated. All these gym owners who got into gym to teach like how to squat and deadlift and press, they didn't want to learn how to be a, an Excel master. Anna's spreadsheet was way more accessible for them because it was simpler and easier. So more of them used it and more of them benefited from it. So the, the key here is that you have to look for places where your clients are tweaking and sharing your content and follow their tweaks and shares. So if they're making your stuff better, like, oh, I added these words to the sample ad, hey, acquire it from them. I'm going to tell you that in step three. But look for the hacks. Look for the places where people are finding shortcuts to get the same results using your content. Follow those hacks and use those to upgrade your materials later. Second, why we test concepts. So what will frequently happen in our program, because we have 800 gyms and like 50 one-on-one -on -one mentors, is that somebody comes up with a new idea. And this idea might look super duper appealing, okay? And a couple of years ago, the idea was, hey, all of our clients should be using Clubhouse to get clients. And another idea was, hey, we should be adding these high ticket offers to all of these gyms. And a third idea that came up around the same time was a manual way of like tracking client progress using a series of clipboards and shelves. So we wanted to test these ideas because they all sounded amazing. They all sounded better than what we currently had. Clubhouse, a oh, new social platform, high ticket. Yeah, some gyms are making some money at that. And this, this client journey was like, that's a really simple step-by-step -step process. So what we did was we asked the person 
who created the process to break it down for us step by step. And then we take their instructions, their system, and we give it to three other gyms to test. And we test it there because it could be that the system is working really well for them. So first you look at their metrics. Are they doing better by using this system than they were before? If you've got new metrics and old metrics, then this is an easy step. If you don't have any metrics, then you're guessing and you're already in trouble. If you can prove that this new system works for them, then you test it on three others because you wanna make sure that it's not just a one-time thing, that there's not something really special about that client that's making this thing work. So I'll use the clipboard example. So this gym uh, had a great idea where a new client would come in and they would put the client's information on a clipboard, piece of cake, and then they would have their no sweat intro with the client and they would put the client's clipboard on a certain shelf. When the client had their first appointment, the gym owner would pick up the clipboard and move it to that shelf. When the client booked their second appointment, they would move the clipboard to the second shelf and they would just kind of move the client along the client journey. Super simple, very rudimentary, appealed to old school dudes like me and everybody knew where every client was at all times. But here's the problem. And it worked really well for that gym. Like their retention numbers improved when they adopted the system. But when we took it and tested it at three mentors gyms, what happened was they realized it wouldn't work. Like it, it didn't improve their retention metrics at all. And we weren't sure why, but the reality is that the idea just didn't extrapolate out of the first gym. It turned out that they had full-time staff who were just dedicated to using this system that nobody else had. So the key is not that, is this idea good? Is it better than what we have? Can you prove that it's better? It's also, can this work for other people, okay? So the first step is like, you test that it works using data. Not that it's just the newest, most novel idea. This is where a lot of business coaches get tripped up. They see a great idea like Clubhouse, which is a great concept. It's novel, it's new, it's sexy, it's exciting. They start teaching it to all their clients before they test it. It's actually our duty to prove that it works first, at least in one gym, and then to test it on three other gyms. Now this process slows down the content cycle. You can't be the first person to talk about the new social media cycle if you insist on testing. But long-term, you can save your clients a lot of stress and maintain their trust if you know for sure that it works. All of the business coaches, for example, who were telling their clients to get on Clubhouse wasted a ton of their clients' time because it was a pretty useless platform. So step one is you, you prove that it works. Step two, you prove that it extrapolates to other people. And step three, you ask yourself, is it better than what we have now? As your content gets better and better and better, what you're gonna find is that there are a lot of great ideas out there, but just because they're new doesn't mean they're better. We all have this novelty bias where we think the new thing must be the best thing. The last book we read must be the best book we've ever read. This next social media platform must be something everybody's gotta get into, like TikTok or whatever. The key though is you have to be able to say, is this working better than what we currently have? Or do we know how to use this better than what we currently have? I'll give you an example. When TikTok came on the scene, a lot of gym owners wanted to jump to that. And so they stopped doing all the Facebook and Instagram work that was working and spent all their time building TikTok shorts and videos and reels or whatever they're called. The problem is that like they totally torpedoed the thing that was working while it was still working in order to explore this new thing. So the novelty bias bit them. All right, so um, step one, you know, look for the client tweaks, the hacks. Step two, you have to test everything. Step three, um, we, we buy materials wherever we can. So for example, 
Um, a client might say, hey, I used the goal review tracker that I found in your materials and I tweaked it to make it my own. I really like it. If somebody else wants to use it, here it is. We've built this amazing culture of sharing in our program. So people constantly are saying like, here's my ad copy. Here's some images that have worked really well for me. Here's how I run this event. Here's how I track goal reviews across all my clients. And if it's better than what we currently have, we will call that client and buy it from them. So originally we would give them 200 bucks for a document, an image, anything that would help the other gyms. Now they had already shown that they were willing to just give it to them for free, but we still buy it. And there's three reasons. The first reason is that no client will be in your program forever. And so when they go, you want to make sure that you have the right to keep sharing their material, art, idea, graph, whatever. You want to buy it. And that means you own the rights to it. You can put your own brand on it. The second is you want to reward them, right? You want to make clients aware that like you will pay for their best work. Because if they take the time to create a new Instagram post on Canva and they go through the other steps, they prove it's working, they prove it can work for other gyms, that's valuable. Right. And so you want them to do that. You want to encourage their sharing. You want to encourage their creativity. Look, clients, if they wanted to, they could just create updated tools for the other clients in our group all day and it would pay for their mentorship program because we would keep buying it from them. Not everybody does it. Very few do, but they could. And so what we'll do is we'll call them up and say, hey, we're going to give you this much between two and five hundred dollars for this thing that you've created. Thank you. It's going to be in our course. And then finally, uh, having your materials in your mentor's course has massive retention value. So when we buy this from them, they have, you know, pride of place and they can say like, I am part of the movement here. I'm part of this big thing. I'm part of other gym owners' successes. So we buy it from them because we want to protect the right to keep it. Uh, we want to maintain um, like a, a reward, right? We want to encourage this behavior. And third, it has some retention value. Okay. So the fourth topic I want to cover today is how we build courses. So once a month on the 10th of the month at 10 a.m., we have what's called a 10 out of 10 meeting. And in this meeting, we're looking at uh, potential additions to our curriculum and potential tweaks to our curriculum, but mostly additions. So what will happen is um, one of our client success managers or a client or a mentor or the COO or anybody can say, hey, there's something missing from the course here. There's a broken link here but also, hey, I've got this new thing that works really well. So for example, somebody had a, a really new uh, lead nurture script that they wanted to use on websites. And so they say, here's my new script. And we would put that on a um, Trello board. And at our 10 out of 10 meeting, we would walk through each one. The people at that meeting are me as the publisher, the lead mentor, the COO, and the content designer, the person who builds the courses. We're going to go through each one in turn. We're going to ask ourselves, do we have proof that this works? Do we have proof it works for other people? And is it better than what we have now? Okay, the, the three things that I told you earlier. If it is, then we will take the next step, which is acquire the asset from the client, as I just said, you know, buy it from them or build. And if we have to build, you know, what is that? What's required? Do we have to fly an expert here to shoot and record? Do we have to like script stuff? Do I shoot the video? You know, what do we want here? And then the next step is we give it the okay. We give it the okay. The course builder uh, goes and builds it. I'll come to that in a moment. And then on the 24th of the month, two weeks later, 
we do a big email and Facebook post to all of our clients with all the updates. So every month, they're getting four or five updates or brand new courses or new material or new tools for them to use. And this allows us to keep reinforcing the value of the program that there's always new but proven and tested stuff coming out. The way we actually build a new course is we start with a blank Google Sheet and we'll use like some header text to denote the different topics and lessons. We'll build the course in this hierarchy, course, then lesson, and then topic. Think of the lessons as the chapters and the topics as the pages. We'll put them all into one big doc. Anywhere where we see there's a whole bunch of text explaining something, we'll cut that text out. We'll put it on this teleprompter that I'm looking at right now, and I'll shoot a video, and we'll just include text as bullets. We'll uh, look for places where we could do a graphic that would simplify the message so that people could get it easier. We'll put that in the course, and then we'll film, we'll upload. We use Wistia as a private embed so that people can't share the videos and then we'll publish the course and release it on the 24th in the email. That's our cycle. The fifth topic that I want to talk about is your annual content audit. Every year, you need to be auditing your material and asking yourself, did this make the boat go faster? Did we get clients better results? Are we seeing an improved ROI? Are they ascending more often? Are they ascending faster? Are they reaching the goal of each stage of our program faster? You need to measure those things. And then you ask yourself, okay, what can we add and what can we cut? I've got a basic rule for this. First, every year you start off by cutting 20% of your courses. What is no longer working or what is not working as well as something else or what is not working as well as it used to or what did we think would help but it's really just kind of slowing people down. Okay, so you cut 20% of the content. That doesn't mean 20% of the topics. It might just be 20% of the total text within the topics or whatever, right? You wanna speed people up. What can you cut or replace with a graphic? What can you cut and replace with a video? What could you cut and replace with a podcast link? Like cut 20% of your curriculum. Then you're gonna build 20% new. This creates a novelty effect in your clients. It also allows you to bring in what's working better. You know, if, if you didn't have Google ads uh, in your courses before, you could add that and that would be tremendously valuable to your clients. If, you know, you've got a new platform like TikTok, you can add that into your courses too, okay? But the, the key is you can't keep making your courses longer and longer and adding more and more stuff. You have to cut the lowest 20% every year and add the best new 20% right on top. All right, if you really wanna build a client-centric coaching business, you have to constantly ask, how do I get them better results? And how do I get the next generation results faster? The five steps to doing that are to look for the tweaks, to test everything, to buy the materials that your clients are building, to build new courses and to audit everything that you have and ask, will this get them the result we want faster every single year? So here's how you can start. Start with just doing an annual content audit. Look at the content that you're teaching your clients right now in your courses, your books, your materials, whatever, and ask yourself, like, what is the 20% that we could cut and nobody would notice, might even speed them up. And if we could only add 20% new content, what would take the highest priority this year? I hope that helps. It's all about constantly making things better. And as you do, you're going to grow the distance between you and your closest competitors. You're going to help your clients more, and you're going to help each generation get better and better results. I'm Chris Cooper. This is Business is Good. I hope to see you in our free public Facebook group, which you can find at businessisgood.com. 
Thanks for listening to Business is Good. If you'd like to chat about this episode or the blog post or podcast that I put on the Business is Good site, just go to businessisgood.com and click join the movement. We'll see you there.